1: Hi, I'm Steve and welcome to our podcast. We're here for All Things London and to tell you more behind some of the iconic places, people and events in London's history. In this episode, we go back to part 2, our final part, of looking at the Great Stink, also known as the London Stink. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering so many different places across London and also some historic bits as well that you wouldn't want to miss. Also, if you love the podcast on the channel, why not join us as a member? Join our group of what we'd like to call our London Visited Crown Jewels, where there are many different benefits including members-only monthly podcast. Have a look by going to patreon.com forward slash London Visited. In last week's podcast, we looked at the cause of the Great Stink and also the employment of Joseph Bazalgette, who was a civil engineer that put together the plans for an interconnecting sewer system underneath London to resolve the issue of the Great Stink which happened in 1858. We go back to part two and we start with the construction. Jed's plans for the 1,100 miles of additional street sewers, collecting both effluent and rainwater, would feed into 82 miles of main interconnecting sewers. And they were put out to tender between 1859 and 1865. 400 draftsmen worked on the detailed plans and sectional views for the first phase of the building process. There were several engineering challenges to be overcome, particularly the fact that parts of London, including the area around Lambeth and Pimlico, lie below the high water mark. Bazalgette's plan for the low-level areas was to lift the sewage from low-lying sewers at key points into the mid and high-level sewers which would then drain with the aid of gravity out towards the eastern outfalls at a gradient of two feet per mile. Bazalgette was a proponent of the use of Portland cement, a material stronger than standard cement, but with a weakness when overheated. To overcome the problem, he instituted a quality control system to test batches of cement. That is described by the historian Stephen Halliday as both elaborate and draconian. The results were fed back to the manufacturers who altered their production processes to further improve the product. One of the cement manufacturers commented that MBW were the first public body to use such testing processes. The progress of Bazalgette's work was reported favorably in the press. An architectural historian describes the coverage as presenting many of the workers in a positive even heroic light, and in 1861 the observer described the progress on the sewers as the most expensive and wonderful work of modern times. Construction costs were so high that in July 1863, an additional £1.2 million was lent to the MBW to cover the cost of the work. The southern system, access to the less populated suburbs of London, was the smaller and easier part of the system to build. Three main sewers ran from Putney, Wandsworth and Norwood until they linked together in Deadford. At that point, a pumping station lifted the effluent 21 feet into the main outflow sewer, which ran to the Crossness Pumping Station on the Irath Marshes, where it was discharged into the Thames at high tide. The newer-built station at Crossness was designed by a Baseljet and a consultant engineer, Charles Driver, a proponent of the use of cast iron as a building material. The building was in a Romanesque style and the interior contained architectural castwork ironwork which English Heritage describe as important. The power for the pumping of the large amount of sewage was provided by four massive beam engines named Victoria, Prince Consort, Albert Edward, and Alexandria, and were manufactured by James Watt & Co. The station was opened in 1865 by the Prince of Wales, the future King Edward VII, who officially started the engines. The ceremony, which was attended by other members of royalty, MPs, the Lord Mayor of London, and the Archbishops of Canterbury and York was followed by a dinner for 500 guests within the building. The ceremony marked the completion of the construction of the Southern Outfall Sewers and the beginning of their operation. With the successful completion of the Southern Outflow, one of the board of members of the Metropolitan Board of Works, MBW, an MP named Miller, proposed a bonus for Jet. The board agreed and were prepared to pay the engineer 6,000 pounds. Three times his annual salary, with an additional £4,000 to be shared among his three assistants. Although the idea was subsequently dropped following criticism, Halliday observes that the large amounts discussed, at a time when scarcity was a dominant characteristic of public expenditure, is a firm indication of the depth of public interest and approval that appears to have characterised the work. The northern side of the Thames was more populous, housing two-thirds of London's population, and the works had to proceed through congested streets and overcome such urban hurdles such as canals, bridges, and railway lines. Work began on the system on the 31st of January, 1859, but the builders encountered numerous problems in construction, including a labour strike in 1859-60, hard frosts in winter, and heavier than normal rainfall. The rain was so heavy in June 1862 that an accident occurred at the works rebuilding the Fleet sewer. The deep excavations were running parallel to the excavation of a cutting at clerkenwell for the metropolitan railway now the metropolitan line and the six and a half foot wall dividing the two trenches collapsed spilling the waters of the fleet onto victoria street damaging the gas and water mains the high level sewer the most northern of the works ran from hampstead heath to stoke newington and across victoria park where it joined with the eastern end of the mid-level sewer The mid-level sewer began at west at Bayswater and ran along Oxford Street through Clerkenwell and Bethnal Green before the connection. This combined main sewer ran to the Abbey Mills Pumping Station in Stratford, where it was joined by the eastern end of the low-level sewer. The pump to Abbey Mills lifted the effluent from the low-level sewer 36 feet into the main sewer. The main sewer ran five miles along what is now known as the Greenway to the outfall of Like the cross-nest pumping station, Abbey Mills was a joint design by Basil Jett and Driver. Above the centre of the engine house was an ornate dome, that people considered to give the building a superficial resemblance to a Byzantine church. An architectural historian thought the building showed exciting architecture applied to the most foul purposes. The historian also went on to describe it as an unorthodox mix vaguely Italian Gothic in style, but with tiers of Byzantine windows and a central octagonal lantern that adds a gracious Russian flavor. To provide the drainage for the low-level sewers, in February 1864, Bazalgette began building three embankments along the shores of the Thames. On the northern side, he built the Victoria Embankment, which runs from Westminster to Blackfriars Bridge, the Chelsea Embankment, running from Millbank to Cadogan Pier at Chelsea. To the southern side contains the Albert Embankment, from the Lambeth End of Westminster Bridge to Vauxhall. He ran the sewers along the banks of the Thames, building up walls on the foreshore, running the sewer pipes inside and infilling around them. The works claimed over 52 acres of land from the Thames. The Victoria Embankment had the added benefit of relieving the congestion on the pre-existing roads between Westminster and the City of London. The cost of building the embankments was estimated at 1.71 million pounds, of which £450,000 was used for purchasing the necessary riverfront properties, which tended to be up for light industrial use. The embankment project was seen as being nationally important, and with the Queen unable to attend because of illness, the Victoria Embankment was opened by the Prince of Wales in July 1870. The Albert Embankment had been completed in November 1869, while the Chelsea Embankment was opened in July 1874. Bazalgette considered the embankment project one of the most difficult and intricate things that the Metropolitan Board of Works have had to do, and shortly after the Chelsea embankment was opened, he was knighted. In 1875, the work on the Westin drainage was completed, and the system became operational. The building work had required 318 million bricks and 880,000 cubic yards of concrete and mortar. The final cost was approximately £6.5 million. In 1866, there was a further cholera outbreak in London that claimed 5,596 lives, although it was confined to an area of the East End between Aldgate and Bow. At the time, that was a part of London which had not been connected to basel Jet system and 93% of the fatalities occurred within the area. The fault lay with the East London Water Company, who discharged their sewage half a mile downriver from their reservoir. The sewage was being carried upriver into the reservoir in the incoming tide, contaminating the area's drinking water. The outbreak and diagnosis of its cause led to the acceptance that cholera was waterborne, not transmitted by miasma. The Lancet, relating details of the investigation into the incident by Dr. William Farr, stated that his report will render irresistible the conclusions at which he has arrived in regard to the influence of water supply in causation of the epidemic. It was the last outbreak of the disease in the capital. In 1878, a Thames pleasure steamer, the SS Princess Alice, collided with the Collier Bywell Castle and sank, causing over 650 deaths. The accident took place close to the outfalls, a question was raised in the British press whether the sewage was responsible for some of the deaths. In the 1880s further fears over possible health concerns because of the outfalls led to the mbw purifying sewage at crossness and beckton rather than dumping the untreated waste into the river and a series of six sludge boats were ordered to ship effluent into the north sea for dumping the first boat commissioned in 1887 was named the sss basiljet the procedure remained in service until december 1998 when the dumping stopped and an incinerator was used to dispose of the waste. The sewers were expanded in the late 19th century and again in the early 20th century. The drainage network is, as of 2015, managed by Thames Water and is used by up to 8 million people a day. The company said in 2014 that the system is struggling to cope with the demands of 21st century London. Crossness Pumping Station remained in use until the mid-1950s when it was replaced. The engines were too large to remove and were left in situ, although they fell into a state of disrepair. The station itself became a Grade 1 listed building with the Ministry of Public Building and Works in June 1970, since replaced by English Heritage. The building and its engines are, as of 2015, under restoration by the Crossness Engines Trust. The president of the trust is the British television producer Peter Basiljet, the great-great-grandson of Joseph. As at 2015, part of the Abbey Mill facility continues to operate as a sewage pumping station. The building's large double chimneys were removed in the Second World War following fears that they would be used by the Luftwaffe as landmarks for navigation, and the building became a Grade II listed building with the Ministry of Works in November 1974. The provision of an integrated and fully functioning sewer system for the capital, together with the associated drop in cholera cases, led the historian John Dogshead to state that Bazalgette probably did more good and saved more lives than any single Victorian official. Bazalgette continued to work at the Metropolitan Board of Works until 1889, during which time he replaced three of London's bridges, Putney in 1886. Hammersmith in 1887, and Battersea in 1890. He was appointed president of the Institution of Civil Engineers in 1884, and in 1901, a monument commemorating his life was opened on the Victoria Embankment. When he died in March 1891, his obituist in the Illustrated London News wrote that Bazalgette's two great titles to fame are that he beautified London and drained it. While Sir John Code, the president of the ICE at the time, said that Basil Jett's work will ever remain as monuments to his skill and professional ability. The obituarist for the Times opined that, when the New Zealander comes to London a thousand years hence, the magnificent solidity and the faultless symmetry of the great granite blocks which form the wall of the Thames embankment will still remain. He continued, the great sewer that runs beneath Londoners, has added some twenty years to their chance of life. The historian Peter Ackroyd in his History of Subterranean London considers that with John Nash and Christopher Wren, Bazalgette enters the pantheon of London heroes because of his work, particularly the building of the Victoria and Albert Embankments. So, I hope you've enjoyed our look at The Great Stink, but look what happened as a result and look how it changed London. If you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, just like Martin did with this one in Canada, and a big thank you to you, Martin, you can let me know through our website, londonvisited.co.uk, or through our social media. It's that easy. Thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed our podcast, and we'll see you soon on the next one. Bye.